Are you a member of the DSO Connect community? Join us. We are a free group on Facebook for dance studio owners to connect, share ideas, inspire one another, and provide support. We help troubleshoot each other's problems and celebrate each other's successes. Hop on our free monthly Zoom call, Coffee Chat, on the first Friday of the month at 11 a.m. Eastern, where we get to hang out together with fellow DSOs who really get it. And y'all, I can honestly say that this community is the reason that my studio has survived COVID. Without the amazing support and inspired ideas of the incredible members of this group, I'm not sure I would have made it. So if you're looking for support, connection, and judgment-free advice, join us today. Just search for DSO Connect Community on Facebook and answer the questions to join. We can't wait to meet you. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. This is Robin, and today I am talking with one of our DSO Connect community members, Amy Habel. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to get to know you. Um, Recently, we did a shout out in our group, just asking any of our community studio owners whether they were killing it in 2021, um, actually experiencing more growth or success or better numbers or higher revenue or more enrollment or whatever it may be than they did prior to 2020. And um, Amy was one of the um, members that reached out to us and said, it's me, it's me, I'm killing it. (laughs) So we're so excited to hear all about her successes and maybe we can learn a little something to apply to our own studios. So welcome. Thank you. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your studio and what um, your whole studio vibe is all about? So I am with Crossroads Irish Dance. So I am a kind of a specialty dance school. I'm with, you know, we just have Irish dance right now at our school, but I'm starting to explore some further options now that we have some growth going on. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I have background in pretty much all areas of dance. I did not start Irish dance until I was about in high school. Um, of course, when Riverdance came out in 94, it kind of, you know, I caught an eye on that and I had done every other type of dance up to that point. And somebody in my high school wanted to or was teaching it. So I decided to give it a try. And after that, I just kind of got hooked. So and then from there, I was uh, teaching at another studio. and We started the Irish dance program there and Crossroads was actually a troupe at the time and they kind of disbanded and the owner of the studio had the small group of students that still really wanted to kind of keep it alive so she basically reached out to me and asked if i would take it over and kind of the rest is history so i've started with you know five kids back in 01 uh, while still going to college at vcu i'm located in uh, richmond virginia and uh, from there, we've had probably over, you know, 300 plus dancers, you know, in and out of our studio over that time. So I've felt very fortunate to be celebrating our 21st season this year, even through COVID. <laughs> so it's been a, a great pleasure um, for myself to see the growth that's evolved from that because we're not a large studio and it's because we have just Irish dances, our specialty in there. But I consider myself unique because I'm an owner that also has background in other areas of dance too. So we try to fuse those things together, um, especially with our dance groups with, you know, throwing a little bit of tap, rhythm tap in there with some Irish dance or some lyrical in there. You know, there's so many um, ways that you can do that. And you're actually seeing that a lot now in the Irish dance world with fusing other styles of dance in with Irish dance. So I consider myself fortunate as an owner that has a background in all varieties of dance styles in general. So, yeah, that's. I have, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> I have so many answers I can give. Okay. So, first of all, do you know Casey personally? or I do friend? not. And it's funny because uh, on a podcast I was listening to, no, 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 I think it was maybe the intro bio. It said Richmond. I was like, where is she? She actually, now it's funny because my studio is actually in Midlothian and I live about 30 minutes away from my studio. And when we kind of pulled away from the studio we were at because I was at the studio teaching Irish dance classes and running the program. 
but it wasn't like my studio. Well, her studio was growing, my program was growing, and it was time that I, you know, opened my own. So I kept it in Midlothian because all my clients were out there. You know, <laughs> if I moved, I probably would have lost most of them. So um, Casey's studio is actually close to where I live because I live in Henrico. So I thought that was kind of funny. So that was kind of neat to know. But now I've never met her personally. But uh, I was like, well, that's a small world. And again, that's that's the dance studio world for you. I feel like. Yeah, she also went to VCU. Yeah. So, so I don't know what year she graduated. Um, yeah, I was, I graduated in 04. So <laughs> I feel like she was already graduated by then, maybe. So yeah. anyway, that's small world. You're right. The dance world is so small. I tell my students all the time, I was like, don't burn bridges in this dance world because you know, even the, the teachers that teach you in your local dance studio, someday you might go to a college audition or, mm -hmm. you know, an audition for a, even a, you know, a, a theme park or something. And it might be somebody whispering in someone else's ear, I taught her in high school. Yeah, she's sassy or whatever. Don't burn. Yeah, bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we, we've been, uh, I've been very fortunate with that to take something that was not even well known in the community till to now has a brand, uh, you know, an established brand in in our community. So I've been very fortunate with that. My husband's also played a huge part in that too, was supporting behind me with that as well. Because as you know, the dance studio world goes through so many ups and downs with with things, and he definitely he definitely has been my rock. So I have to give him a shout out for that piece of that. But um, but yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a great trip, and we've you know learned a lot. But that's kind of about where my background is with that as well, and. So this past year with COVID, um, I took a shift. Um, things were starting to, things were already starting to grow pre-COVID. And I was already starting to get that inclination that I needed to take another step because I was, I work full time. I'm a government employee. So I have a day job on top of this. Um, I have a husband, I have a toddler and I run a dance studio and I'm sure most studio owners on that are listening probably can relate because I see questions about it all the time. So it was good. And I was teaching two nights a week and running the troop. So it was getting to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm wearing so many hats. I'm starting to feel that burnout. Where is my superpower going to be right now? I have so many, but where does, do, where really do I need to focus on? So I started to realize that I'm going to have to take a step back and really put myself in that like CEO position to work on the business side of things, because if I don't, that's going to start to decline or, or even with the teaching, if I don't do that, that's going to decline, like something's going to give. And then of course, when COVID hit is really where it was kind of smack in the face with a brick, because you realize I don't have an admin staff. It's just me. Like now it, it really started to make me realize that I have to hire people. Like I'm going to have to, Somebody once told me it's like you can't really say I can't afford not to because really or, or I can't afford it. Really, you can't afford not to. Yep, that's so true. That's so so some, true. sometimes you're going to have to just try to make it work the best you can. And so that tw 2020 was a very turning point year for me. Um, and I think sometimes we need to have those things happen as studio owners for us to realize where like you just need that extra kick in the pants to say yeah i need to do this like it's affecting my family and, and it's hard i mean i would work and my husband would actually go to the studio with me he's one of those rare breed husbands but he would take care of madeline in the office and i have a tv and stuff in there and stuff toys and everything while i taught but it was going straight from working both of us to the studio and not getting home till nine like that's only going to function for so long <laughs> like so that yeah. was getting really difficult to do. Um, and then having to find time to take care of the other business side of things you have to do for the studio. And I love marketing. I love coming up with new programs. Like I'm very creative on that side as most of us are. And that's where I felt like my direction needed to be going towards is how can we make the studio bigger and better and growth and community and just engagement amongst our students. And I'm not going to be able to do that unless I take a state step back. And as scary as that is, you're not going to know unless you just do it. Right. So who did, what did you end up hiring? Did you hire admin? Did you hire a teaching team? Yeah. 
So the first thing I did is I said, I need to have a customer care type manager to handle the inquiries coming in. So the first thing I kind of realized is I actually get a lot of inquiries, but if you don't have a step-by-step process of follow-up, like it's funny, Casey actually said on one of her podcasts, like I had the sticky notes up there. We all know that, right? But those get lost. So if you don't have a solid follow-up process, you're going to lose those people. So that was my first thing I had to figure out is that I'm, it's not that I'm not getting leads, is I don't have the time to do a follow-up sequence with them appropriately to keep them in my loop. Mm-hmm. Same thing with enroll, like same thing with enrollment. So I hired um, Melissa, who's my customer care manager. And that's basically what her responsibility is, is to handle like the enrollment and inquiry side of the job. And that was massive. So if you're a studio that gets a lot of inquiries and you're not finding time to do that, you need to find somebody who can help you with that. Yeah, That took such a load off of my plate. I can't even tell you. And our trial classes and things like that, the conversion rates were picking up because we were following up with people, uh, because we were putting systems in place. Calendly was also a lifesaver. I needed to so shift. Before up. you go to Calendly, let's talk about... Um, Briefly, let's talk about what your actual system is that you put into place when you hired your customer relations person, because that's also, you and I are similar in some ways. Um, I also love marketing. So I feel like I spend a lot of time sending messages out to the community, out to the universe. And then when the inquiries come in, um, you know, we have a certain um, system that we use to take them from inquiry and nurture them till you know, to ultimately get them to register um, for a class. So can you talk specifically about what that system is that you set up um, briefly, but just kind of like give us a little step by step so that we know how you take them from nibble to close. So the first thing you need to do is figure out what your customer journey is. And you can find stuff about that online. You need to figure out what your customers go through on their journey and what pain points you have. That's the first thing that we did, or I did. Um, The other thing I did too was figured out what my organizational chart was going to look like a year now, five years from now, you know, you need to plan that out too. And that's what, that's why I hired Melissa, figuring out what role she was going to play. So then I could work my process down. The next thing you have to figure out before you even get started on your process is, okay, well, what system am I going to use to manage this process? Um, Am I going to use Google form? Am I going to use pen and paper? (laughs) I'm very techie. I'm very techie. I love techie stuff. Um, And so we use Asana, Mm. which is a project management tool. Asana and Trello are very similar. We just chose to go with Asana. So we put all of our steps and processes on Asana boards. And Melissa basically manages that. So as people are moving through the process, she moves their cards through the process. Mm -hmm. So you need to find a good project management tool that is going to help you with managing those steps and assigning out. Another good one is Pipedrive. Yeah. So you just, there's so many out there. My best advice is sign up for the free trials, try them out, let your team test it. Um, and let the team test it who's going to be using it on a day-to-day because you know what, Robin, it, it can't fit for me. It's got to fit for them. And I tell them mm-hmm. that all the time. Like, I'm going to help you create this. But if at the end of the day, this doesn't work for you, like, let's move on to something else because I'm not the one that's using it as much. Right. So so specifically, let's talk about um, I uh, Mrs. Smith goes to your website Maybe she sees your ad on Facebook or sees your performance in the community or whatever, reaches out to you. You get an email that says, hey, Mrs. Smith is interested in classes. Did did she fill out a form on your website to trigger that? Like, what is the exact steps? So first thing is the lead inquiry comes in, right? And it can come in a variety of different ways. We're not one-stop shop and most people are going to like that Facebook message, website. Our website does take that. We did a, that's the other thing I did last year pre-COVID as I realized, or after COVID as I realized our our website needed to be updated. So, um, but yeah, that comes in and we answer it where the customer is. So if your customer has reached out to you via Facebook message, don't transition them over to email. There's a reason they 
reached out to you through Facebook Messenger Ooh. because that's where they felt comfortable. Wow. At, at some point in the process, move them over. But I'm going to tell you, I learned that lesson. If you try to do that, they don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. There's a trust thing that's to happen. So we'll answer it on Facebook message. And as they start becoming more deeper in the um, enrollment process, then we'll transfer them over. So the first thing I would say is when the lead inquiry comes in, we have a benchmark of 24 hours. We get in touch with them. Actually, should be probably, I, I think there's some stats out there. Most customers expect a response now between, I think it's eight to 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. I try to be really prompt too. Yeah. If you don't have somebody that can answer it like that, they're moving on. Even your website. When my website developer talked to me, he said, if your website doesn't pull up within three seconds, they're moving on. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point because, and I think that's, that's also another reason why some studio owners are reluctant to pass this job on to other people because I'm the only one I can expect to reply to an inquiry at, 11 p.m. while I'm sitting on my sofa watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I don't do that anymore because if you, and I've told my staff this, that's something that we, and I think what happens is we're so passionate about what we do. We feel this in inclination. If I don't answer them right now, they're going to leave me. But you know what? It's your business and you need to set certain standards for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I have an away message for Facebook and Instagram, but we do get back with them the next day because I realize if I answer somebody at 11 o'clock, I've now set the expectation that Amy's available at 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm going to bed. Yeah. So that's a hard one that many of us have to resist that drive to do that. Don't don't. It's OK. Like you got to tell yourself it's OK. You have to have personal time for yourself. So so we give that benchmark of getting back at least within 24 hours. So back to your other thing, Robin, we as studio owners feel obligated to do that because you know what? We're the ones that know the most about our studio. We're the mm -hmm. ones that no one's going to love our studio more than us. But what we did is we created scripts. Hmm. I created scripts for every type of reply and or objection that we would ever get. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So that way the customer care team uses the script to reply. They can throw in their own, you know, snazziness if they want to, but that way the same communication is going out to everybody. Yeah. Who has who has ever gotten that thing? Well, Miss Miss Susie told me it was this, and now you're telling me it's that. That's why you want to have scripts in place. So that way the same message is going out. We have scripts for probably almost every communication template that goes out with our studio for the And most where part. do you house those? Are they uh, online? Google Doc. Uh, we have um, all of our processes documented in Google Docs. And so we can link things into documents. So I use G Suite for my staff housing, all of our drives, our pictures, our documents, how we do things. So that's the other thing I learned and why I'm thriving in COVID is I realize I don't have anything documented. If I got hit by a bus tomorrow, can my studio run? Mm -hmm. <laughs> as odd yeah. as that is to say that somebody told me that a, a manager once told me yeah. that. Yeah. And that's the thing I, that hit me. I'm like, you know what, if something, if I had to go out for any reason, mm -hmm. The answer is probably no, because I've kept that all myself in my own brain and on my own computer. So yeah. that's the other thing you need to do is if you don't have a process in place and documented, you need to start doing that. It is a very long process, but I'm so grateful for it now because if I want to take off on a vacation, my staff can run the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a process in place and I've trained them on it, not just putting it, but trained them. So that's, I keep that all in Google Docs and in Asana. One of our columns in the boards is an instruction resource, so they can do it straight from Asana too. They can click on the car and go straight to the instructions. Wow. So you as the studio owner should not be answering all of those inquiries as much as we would love to. Create a script. Create a script for if they call. You know, I worked in Mar I worked um, for a company called Cutco with selling knives back in high school, and I was pretty good at it. And they actually did that for us. They gave us a script to when people called, a general script to follow. So you wow. create that as the owner, what message you want your staff to give, and you need to train them on what your expectations are for that and how you want that delivered. You know, even the influxion of your voice over the phone, you know, how do you want them to speak to your customer? Mm -hmm. So 
that was the big thing that took Melissa and I almost six months to a year when I hired her September of last year to create. So it does take you some time, mm -hmm. but I'm going to tell you the investment and the outcome is so much, is so worth it. It's just so worth it. Yeah. Because um, now all we have to do is just go in and make tweaks to things um, yeah. if, if we need to. And you need, and I found having stuff on a cloud drive like Google is better than saving it on your own personal computer or the studio computer. Because Melissa, my Melissa works virtually. And sometimes our teachers need to access stuff. So having things on a cloud based drive is much better because if you need to access something quickly, and it's on a personal computer, how are you going to do that? Right, right. Okay, so, so inquiry, then what we do is if they don't sign up for a um, trial, trial class, we send our follow up sequence goes 24 hours, three days later, one week later, two weeks later. So the next thing I would say that you need to do is create what your follow up sequence is going to be. Mm -hmm. When are you checking in with people? And that's actually standard across our entire studio, even for our staff. Like if I send them something, it's initial, I check in with them three days later if I don't hear back from them and so on. So there's consistency across the board. So what Melissa will do or anybody else in our customer care team is they'll send a text three days later. If we don't hear from them, we do an email follow up one week later and then another text two weeks later. Now, sorry to interrupt. Do you no. also have them um, in a kind of an, e just a promotional email drip? So when I get the initial nibble, I will automatically put them into my convert kit, which is like MailChimp or something like that. So they're getting my, you know, once a week, you know, drip of promotional emails in addition to on this other end, um, my salespeople are reaching out to them on a personal level. Right. Are you doing that as well? We actually just do ours once a month. Uh, unless we have a big promotion going on, I'll go ahead and add them to our MailChimp right away if that's mm -hmm. the case. But we typically, because we're following up with them so frequently, mm -hmm. uh, we actually move them onto our what we call keep in touch mailing list if we don't hear back from them after that two week follow up. But if it's, if we have things coming up, I'll add them earlier to that list and still keep them in our follow-up sequence. So I think you just got to use what's best for your studio as far as when you send things out to your leads list mm -hmm. um, and how that works for you. But because we are still following up with them pretty consistently up to that point, we haven't felt the need to do that mm -hmm. unless we have big things going on with registration or a big promotion. Mm -hmm. Do you find that our biggest, one of our biggest um, obstacles is you know, um, how long do we continue to, and you answered the question as to what your standard 24 hours, three days a week and two weeks. I mean, that makes complete sense. Um, but at what point, so I guess after the two weeks you stop reaching out to them, right? We put them on our keep in touch leads list on MailChimp. We have an audience specifically dedicated to leads, which means they've reached out to us, but they didn't actually do a trial class. So if they register six months later, it's part of your method of operations to go back into MailChimp and take them out of leads. Yep. And they go into another audience group that we have. So everybody's either staying where they are or they're moving along, you know, the process somewhere, which is ultimately what you want. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I was going to point out, you might notice in there, everybody, that I didn't say phone call. At first, we actually did. And Melissa actually told me that very rarely did people call her back or answer the phone. I mean, let's all face it. When somebody calls you on your cell phone and you don't know who they are, do you really pick up the phone? No, no. no I don't so like we it. actually had to change our follow-up sequence with how we communicated mid-season because phone was not really being effective. So we are doing more texting. We have Google Voice for the studio so we can text people. And I wanted to have a two-way text system where I, we can reply back. So we actually do a lot more texting, even more than email, because people are going to respond back to a text more mm -hmm. than they are even sometimes with an email. I mean, think about parents nowadays, guys. I mean, kids are in school. They're getting emails for school and work. You've got to have to put yourself in their position, which, again, mm -hmm. is part of your customer journey on how overloaded they are and where can you meet them in the middle somewhere mm -hmm. to make sure they're getting what 
you're trying to send out to them without them being overloaded with that. So that was another thing we did as part of somebody with a, a follow-up sequence is we're not really doing much calling because we weren't so finding what's gonna happen effective. when people feel overloaded with texts because already i'm getting as a consumer i'm getting you know you give your email your phone number out when you fill out a form or you go into a store so you can get a 20 percent off coupon or whatever and what happens when and i'm being slightly just sarcastic but oh, go what's going to happen when we are overloaded in our texts and now we aren't even responding to texts like what will the new method be of reaching out to people that gets their attention right away? I know. Maybe we all need to come up with that. <laughs> yeah. It'll um, be just like a brain implant and you'll just like send a wave directly. I know, right? Well, it's funny wave. because when we think back five, six years ago, I'm sure nobody thought texting with a business. What is that all about? I, I mean, know. you know, times are changing. Like even technology wise, which is why I said I'm a, a very techie studio. We have softwares and stuff for everything because that's where businesses are moving forward. That's how you can automate things. And in the end, it does sometimes make your life a little bit easier with some things, but it's, it's got to work for you and the culture of your studio. But, you know, if people tell us, you know, stop texting them, obviously we're going to stop texting them, but we still have email if they rather us, you know, email them on that platform um, right. when it comes to being a lead. But that's why I said we meet them where they are initially. Once they start scheduling a trial class and going and starting to get to that point where we hopefully can make the sale and, and put them in as a student, then we'll kind of transition them over. So what Melissa will do is let's say they reached out to us via Facebook Messenger. We don't have an email or text for them yet. Whatever the script is, it just goes in Facebook Messenger. Mm -hmm. And we make comments of that on there. So I think you have to again, put yourself in the consumer. And if that's the way they've chosen to reach out to you initially, just stick with them until they start showing they're getting a little bit more committed to and mm -hmm. more trusting to what you're doing. And then you can change over. That's a great tip. So now once they, so let's say that they uh, contact us and they schedule a trial class. So we use Calendly for our scheduling our trial classes, Game Changer, our trial class conversions changed. I mean, we have about an 80% conversion uh, for people going from lead to scheduling a trial class. If that's you're not, funny. that's the other thing I started doing was tracking. I have a spreadsheet in Google where I actually track my conversions. Sundays are my days that I go in and type in how many leads we had came in, da, 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 and I have formulas set up where it will track my conversion rates for me. Wow. And your staff needs to know that. So if you even, cause you could do incentive things for that. Like my customer care team, I could say, hey guys, if we can maintain an 80 or 90% conversion rate, I'll put a bonus thing in place. Like it's not just you, your team is helping you do that. And I realized like, you gotta bring them on board with that. And you need to let them know how many people we had that inquired and this and that. So my team gets told, all of that stuff because they all touch the process, but they schedule through Calendly. And of course, Calendly has the capability to send them email confirmations and text. So you guys don't have to remember to do that. That was my big problem too, was trying to remember to do that. They also have things where you can create workflows um, in Calendly where you can say, when they do this, I want it to go to a text and then 24 hours, send them an email. That's wow. what, so our no-show conversions right now are so low. And ask yourself, what does our no-shows look like? If you're getting a lot of no-shows, that's probably where that's happening. Mm -hmm. is, People just forget. They sign up for yes. stuff and they don't write it down or put it in their calendar because they did it on the fly while they were in the line at Starbucks. And 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 we stopped. We use Dance Studio Pro and some people wonder, why well, use Dance Studio Pro? And they have that. But I'm going to tell you this, guys. Think about yourself as a customer. Do you want to sign up for an account not knowing who people are? I mean, we were we felt like we were actually losing people signing up for a trial because unfortunately, mm -hmm. when you use software systems, they want you to sign up for an account and then you got to log in. These people don't know who we are and they don't. Again, there's a trust thing there. Um, they want to do it quick and easy. Whatever you can make it to take them less than five minutes to do, do it. So right. we decided not to use that feature on Dance Studio Pro anymore. We wanted to use something more calendly based where it's click a link, enter these three things, boom, and they'll get a text reminder and an email reminder like 24 hours before. And it allows them to reschedule if they can't attend. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. So 
again, that's our studio worked well for us, but it, our conversion rates just went much better because we were making it, we were meeting the customer where they were. That yeah. we were and I'll just as an aside, um, Austin has a program called Studio yeah. that does that. And um, which I think he'll be phasing into Class Kid, um, which is coming out soon. And then also, um, ugh, I lost my train of thought. There's something else that does that too. Never mind. Well, we've even started using Calendly for all appointments. Our check, we do check-ins with our customers every yeah. 90 days. We use it for that. I use it for if they want to schedule a meeting with me. So we started using it for trials, and then we realized the capability of it. And now we're using it for like a lot of anything we schedule an appointment for at the studio. And it's because of the fact that it's got the automation follow-up, even with customers um, after they do their trial class, they get a um, message a text message 24 hours later i believe with a link to a survey to tell us how they how they felt their experience wow. was if they fill that survey out we send them a gift card oh wow again what are the wow factors you're going to add in there that's and i and again we don't get a lot of people that fill it out but that allows me to see how their experience was because I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And then I can also recognize my teachers and my customer staff. Like, look guys, look at what this person said about us. Great job. Yeah. Like you, you sold it. So that was something new. I started actually in the fall. I just started that this year because I started using the workflows and calendar. So there's sky's the limit on that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's initially why we started using it was so nothing would get lost in translation. But just to give you guys an idea, from January to today, we had had 50 trials and only seven no shows. Wow, that's fantastic. So you tracking these stats will, will, and I track them from January to December, but I do look at them quarterly. I look at them over the whole year because I want to see kind of where we're at and if we need to change something. So once they schedule their trial with Calendly, all that's kind of automated. They show up for their, their class. We do. Hold on. Sorry. You're oh, giving sorry. us so much information and I love it, but I have a question and I want to okay, go, go backwards before we go forwards. Can you talk a little bit more about your lead conversion spreadsheet? Like, can you tell us exactly what's in it or would you be willing to share sure. it or something just in, in case we wanted to create one on our own? Like, I am happy to maybe give you guys the template that's got the formulas in it and then people can plug and play that would be um, how they want it. So I have, and again, if mine might be overly complicated. My husband says I like to do things the hard way. But I have one tab that's like the season stats that shows me January through December. But it basically, I have a leads column that shows me how many leads inquired, anybody that asked about our studio, and then was a trial schedule. And then I have a column that I enter how many trials actually attended and any no-shows for that week. And then how many registered from the trial and how many registered not from a trial, because it does happen. And then the last column is anybody who's dropped or withdrawn. Wow. So my conversions are, what's our percentage of people going from a lead to scheduling a trial mm -hmm. who actually attended, signed up for the trial and actually attended and who was a trial that became a student. And then I have a retention. What is our retention? Um, I started to realize this year we need to start looking at what our retention rates are because you could say, oh, man, I gained like 30 some new students or something like that. But do you actually know what you're but you lost so many. So do you actually know what your conversion rate is and what would you like it to be? And you need to share that with your staff, yeah. like what your expectation is. So hold on. I, I love all the information you're giving, but I have questions. <laughs> OK, go for it. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, I'm like, you go, I, go right ahead. So um, we do an admin meeting um, once every every Monday and my um, my office manager puts together a report and we can see you know, where we gained and lost students um, each week. And we have a, a, an enrollment goal that we're working toward. Um, but you said something that I like, which is um, to share it with your teaching team as well, because we're only sharing this right now with our admin team. Right. And think about it. Don't your teachers play an integral role of some part of that trial class process mm -hmm. you know your customer team is providing or whatever your team is 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 providing them with the information about your studio and signing up your teacher team is playing the role of actually 
capturing that child mm -hmm. into what the classroom experience is all about. Um, so for example, we actually encourage our teachers to assign like a class buddy mm, and yeah. let them and let them know that somebody's coming in. Like I actually have a process for my admin team when a trial is scheduled, as well as when my teachers, like what their role is and everything and what I expect. Mm -hmm. So um, we encourage them, hey, you know, because here's the thing, guys, what do you want them to leave the class from? They want to feel a part of something. So making a new friend makes yeah. them feel a part of something. And I, I tell everybody, my team, put yourself in a position when you tried a new activity and you walked in, how did you feel? This is all part of your customer journey. Yeah. How did you feel? And how did you feel afterwards? What do you wish would have happened? So, and it doesn't have to be the most experienced dancer in the class because sometimes your most technical dancer is not the most bubbly. Absolutely. <laughs> Pick the person in the class that's going to be the most bubbly and loves the class and, and just is very personable. Not, and also you know. the, the kid that maybe needs that acknowledgement. Like yes. she may not be in the front all the time, but how does it make her feel to be picked as the buddy? Right. And so what that does is that trickles down into a great experience for your current students because they know that at some point they could be a class buddy. So I actually tell my teachers to talk about that with their class that, you know, hey, I'm going to be doing, you know, being a class buddy and what that's all about and who would like to be that. So it actually gets them excited that, oh, this week I got picked to be the class buddy in the class, you know, type of thing. Um, but yes, you do need to share this with your teachers because they also play an integral role in these stats mm -hmm. and they actually really make the final sale because your customer team could be like the most great people in the world. But if they have a bad classroom experience, they're not signing up. Yeah, that's great. So you want to make sure your whole team is brought into the picture with this because it's going to make them feel included. Right. Um, you know, with that. So I basically have my tabs broken down by each month. I have one that's broken down quarterly. And I'm going to tell you why I do the quarterly. The dance studio world is a very seasonal ups and downs. Like right now, for some of us, this could be an up because January, new year, people looking for activities, winter sports are over. So what you're going to see from your quarterlies is your peaks and valleys. Where do you peak? Where do you valley? Where do you mm -hmm. peak? You know, that kind of thing. And then I have my master tab, which shows me the entire year, what we did from January to December. Everything's linked. So you only have to really enter at one place. And the way the formulas are, they're linked up. So the numbers will go over to what spreadsheet they need to go to. So it makes it really easy. Uh, but you need to have a project management tool that you're tracking how many leads came in. So you as the owner can put that information in there, you know, whatever day of the week you want to assign yourself to do it. I do it on Sundays. Um, I enter what we got in for the week. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to kind of do maybe a mock-up version of that with the formulas in there if people want to use it. But I will tell you what, guys, I, my eyes started to open like some months I'm like, Ooh, we could have done better. Or, and then some months I'm like, Ooh, why are we getting a bunch of no shows? Okay. We need, mm -hmm. we need to look at that. Don't, it's not always the customer. Like mm -hmm. we sometimes need to make sure we're taking accountability for those types of things. So that's interesting. Um, that's, that's yes. If you could share that, I bet you there's a whole lot of us that would love to. Play yeah, I think it was real eye opener for me on on some things. I even put in there not even just like the number four, but I'll list the names of the people in the comments in that cell just so mm -hmm. I know. Um, but yeah, it was very eye opening on you know what our retention rate was, and and then what you do from there is the owner is you need to decide what your percentage is. You know, do you want an eighty percent? of people going from trials to registering as a student. If I want 80%, how would I need to get there? You need to train your staff on what they should be educating people about when they come in. So when people come in for our trial classes, we have a welcome packet already ready for them in a folder. We have goodie bags for the kids or, or adults, whichever. And our customer care team member are responsible for sitting in the waiting area and actually talking with our customer while their child's in class. Um, and we have a script for that of what they, it's not even just about the studio. Hey, what, what's your child involved in and relate to them and have a conversation with them. Um, if you don't want to do that, you could even find one of your most seasoned, uh, parents who you trust 
um, to sit in the lobby and say, hey, Sally, we have a new parent coming in on Tuesday. Would you be willing to kind of just sit with them in the lobby and chat with them? So if you have that type of relationship with your client, uh, with your clientele, you could have somebody do that. And then they dismiss them into the class. You know, once the child comes out of the classroom, then we have a system in place for how they basically make that sale and either try to get them to register on the spot or within 24 hours. We do a 24 hour promo. If they register within 24 hours, they get 50% um, off the registration fee and their first installment. I have had so many re people register 24 hours since I've done that promo. Wow. If they register within 24 hours of their trial, they get half off their the registration fee and their first installment, just the first one. Wow. That's so again, enticing. And I, it's a little piece of paper with a QR code on it. And so that way they can scan it at home and it goes straight to our registration form to fill out. And again, once I put, again, you have to have a good buy-in. If you don't have a good gift to give them, then they're not going to sign up, but you're going to have to have something like mm -hmm. why, why should they register right now? Right. And we'll, and we'll tell them that if you register today, this is the value you're getting. If you wait till after this is like registration fees, $35. If you register today, you save 1750. If you wait tomorrow, eh, you're not going to save that much. So it depends on what is value to them. Yeah. Um, or it could be a gift, a tutu. I don't know, whatever works yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so then from there, once their trial's over, if they register, then they go into our Crossroads Community Connection Board, which is our onboarding. And we do a six-week onboarding process because I learned this too. How many of you guys have taken in a new student? Hi, how you doing? And you probably never talk to them again. Mm -hmm. And then two months later, there's problems going on in the classroom. They haven't showed up for three weeks. Oh my gosh, what happened? We lost them. What we realize is you need to have some type of onboarding process where you check in with them every, you know, we do it three weeks and check in with them at six weeks. And that's what Melissa does too, to see how things are going. And I realized that too late, but that's okay. That I thought about how many kids in the past I've lost and how many I could actually probably could have saved if I had had some type of onboarding because they don't know still anything about your studio. They need to learn what your story is as the owner, what your mission is, what you have coming up. There has to be that in place. And that's another big, big part of what Melissa does that I never had time to do it before. But that's why our retention rate is so great now because we have that in place. Okay. My mind is exploding. Okay. Oh. So, so when you say you add them to the onboarding it's not just a drip of emails. It's more than that. It's personal. Yeah. yeah. We, we call our, and don't call it onboarding, find a fun name. So we right. called ours Crossroads Community Connection, mm -hmm. the three C's. So it's things like after their first class, I send them a person, I use Bonjuro. I use, I send them a video message to say, congrats on your first class. And here's, and don't worry if you felt nervous, everybody feels that way. And, and just encouraging them after their first class. Um, do they know your story as the owner? Where did you come up? You know, where did you end up where you are today? So week two, we kind of share them our story. We do a, Melissa schedules a check-in with them at week three and week six. Again, a lot of people don't take advantage of it, but at least you're showing you're caring. So when a parent comes to me and has a complaint about something, we'll go back to see if they did their check-ins. And that's the first thing we usually ask them. Well, is there a reason why you didn't want to do your check-ins? Because we could have found this out like three weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, you know, do you have a referral program at some time during that six weeks you could share with them? Hey, you're loving your experience. We want you to share that with the community. And hey, if they re get referred, we're going to give you this and we're going to give the friend this. Do you have that in place? So try to figure out what onboarding process you want to use to help make them feel now a part of your studio family once they sign up for classes. Wow, that is so wonderful. Now, let's say they don't register for your class. They follow the same follow-up sequence as the leads three days later text, one week, two week, you know, that kind of thing. You need to have a follow-up sequence for if they don't 
register where you're checking in with them to say, hey, are you still interested? Hey, if you sign up by this date today, we can still give you, you know, 10% or 10, you know, not 10%, but like $10 off your registration fee. The deal should not be as enticing as it was 24 hours, but you're still trying to grab them in to say, hey, there's still time and give them a deadline. You need to create a sense of urgency there um, for that as well. And then um, if they don't show up for the trial, you need to have somebody in your office reaching out to them as soon as you know they're not coming and see if you can get them rescheduled. We've had a lot of our no-shows, you know, car broke down, you know, child woke up late from the nap and they're so appreciative that we called and that we were able to get that rescheduled for them. And of course, some people don't show it all and then you still do the follow-up sequence. So we have this elaborate system where we're following up and we're checking in until people, you know, just tell us, leave me alone. <laughs> and they'll, they'll put us on our inactive list. And then if by the time we've checked in with them a certain point, again, like I said, Robin, they go on our leads list and they just, they stay in that leads list until they, they make the move. But I had people that saw us at a kids expo convention, February of 2020. So right before COVID and they actually ended up registering six months to a year later. Yeah. And, and they're still with me. If I had not followed up sequence with them, mm -hmm. I would have never heard from them again. So that is where it is worth it. Don't mm -hmm. think that you're bugging people. You're mm -hmm. not bugging people. They are so busy in their life. I know I'm a mom. I, I, I'm like that too. I need the reminders. So you're not bugging people until they tell you to stop bugging them. Yeah. And, and I you know what? I always tell people too. Think of yourself like how you yeah, that's right. exactly. I get so many emails uh, that for things that I've signed up for, like I was super interested in such and such as program mm -hmm. and but I'm not ready to buy. And then literally like maybe a year later or some email just, you know, in their storytelling, something just triggers or it's the right time for me with that problem. And so I don't think, oh, my God, this person is annoying me. I think, oh, I'm glad. Like it's not the right time to delete. I'll catch maybe the and I know they're gonna email me again. It's like mm -hmm. I'm just kind of putting it on the back burner. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think at any I even tell my teachers this. I'm like, you guys got to put your even if you're not a parent, you can still put yourself in a parent's perspective, and you need to start kind of thinking like them. Same thing with the customer. That's why your first step needs to be the customer journey. Go on Google and look it up. Every big company uses it. If you have not mapped out where your customer journey is, how do you know what your customer wants and needs? And another thing that we do is we actually, after our new students have been on with us for six weeks, we actually send them a survey to collect information about their journey. And I, again, if they fill it out, I think I give them a gift card if they fill it out to their favorite store um, because it's value to me. I want to know what their journey was. And so then we go back to our customer journey and we update things. Things like how did they feel when they pulled into our parking lot? How did they feel when they came up to the door? We can only guess those things as studio owners, but I want to really know how they felt because mm -hmm. if they were feeling really nervous, well, what can we do to help with their nerves before they walk to our door? Like I want them to show up feeling so excited and so welcome. And that's the one thing that our customers, and I know people say this, but I have data to validate it, mm -hmm. to say about us is they leave feeling so welcomed at our studio. And that is what my mission is because my studio was my second home growing up as most of us were. And that is what I want to give. I don't care where they want to go in their dance career, but I want my studio to feel like their second home, whether they're a toddler or whether they're an adult. And if they don't walk out feeling that way, I'm going to find out what happened because that shouldn't have been happening. <laughs> but um, wow. this so, has been, you have given us so much. Keep is it? Are we at the end of the no wait? Yeah, so we pretty much are. So once they've been on with us for six weeks, then we do 90 day check ins with all of our every single one of our customers. So every three months, we'll reach out to them to say, hey, it's time for your 90 day check in. If you want to schedule it, here's a link to Calendy to schedule a time with Melissa. It's 15, 30, like 15 minutes, 30 minute conversation. But I just put that into place last December. Wow. And I know some of you have like a million customers. You're not as uh, small as I am. Just find a pro like we actually divided out the alphabet amongst all of our staff to enter them into our Asana board so we could track it. But 
we check in with our customers every 30 days to see how things are going. There's a script and questions my customer care team asks them. So it's not like just some random conversation, but I do tell them to keep it conversational. Mm-hmm. But I have gotten a lot of the good, be ready for the good, the bad, and the ugly guys. <laughs> so I've gotten all of it. But if you want to know what your customers are thinking, you need to do that. And there's a reason why Amy doesn't do it. Amy oh. doesn't do it because Amy is, I, and I tell my team this, I'm like, I don't want y'all to think that I'm being lazy and I'm not doing it. But the way customers see me are very different than the way that they see you. And I'm going to be honest, they're probably going to be a little bit more open with you than the owner. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. So unless they specifically ask for me. So I've gotten a lot of Sometimes it's hard to hear feedback, but I take a day to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, I can kind of see where this is and I need to understand. So that's where we go from there. We do, we still check in with them every night. I have a question about that. So Mm -hmm. honestly, this is, (laughs) boy, you, that's a sensitive one for me too, because I don't always do surveys because I, it lives in my soul when I get negative feedback for, you know, maybe two, depending on the feedback, like it could live in my head and keep me from sleeping. (laughs) So I'm, I heard once, um, just have your team do it. And then they don't need to tell you who said what they just need to give you a general overview of like, Hey, we're hearing a lot that, you know, that sometimes the trash cans are overflowing in the bathroom. Maybe we just need to get bigger trash cans or, you know, or maybe, and, and maybe they, you know, they just handle things without me knowing, but of course, maybe your your team can be a buffer so that it's, yeah. you're not taking things so personally. Well, like, that's what Melissa does because Melissa's doing it. So she gets it in initially and then her and it, we do, we use jot form for that. Mm-hmm. And then it comes into, I, I can see it, but here's what I've learned to do. Robin, my day is done at like seven. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to check emails because the same thing was happening to me. I, I just got that inkling to check that email at eight o'clock at night with, somebody who is just, you know, screaming at me from the email and now I can't sleep. I've done with that. Mm-hmm. I need to have a good night's rest. So you got to end your day somewhere. Like you're going to mm-hmm. have, that was the hardest thing for me too. Cause I'm a workaholic, mm-hmm. and, but you got to tell yourself I'm done at seven. And even my staff knows that like I'm done at seven o'clock. If, unless it's an emergency and the world is going to end, here's who you can contact. But I, at some point need to have time and dinner with my family too, because they deserve that. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, that's the one thing to take care of that, but Melissa gets it in initially, but I can't read it, but her and I talk about it. So I think as a studio owner, having like an admin, like a office manager, something you could talk things through that does help. And we also do send a copy to the teacher. We actually do. Because if it's something going on in the class, I need them to see what the feedback was. And we actually do have the teachers fill out a student progress form if the parent does schedule a check-in. So we, again, it's like, how are they doing on attendance? Do you see any challenges? Would you make any recommendations? Again, it's a a quick form, like five minutes, guys, takes them to fill it out. And then we share that with the parent during the conversation. And then if if the teacher doesn't get to it before the meeting, we, they'd fill it out afterwards and we send it to the parent. But our teachers actually also get the check-in conversation and what the answers were to the questions, just so they're kept in the loop of how that customer is feeling right now at the studio. Yeah, that's important. So, so at some point, I guess my point is you don't want to just drop your customer off at some point. You need to be continue like that's what we learned. You need to be continually checking them in. Maybe 90 days is is not maybe you rather just do, you know, you know, 100 days or something. Fine. Maybe you need to do 30 days. Just find what works well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and your studio and how, but 30, 90 days seems to work well for us after they've been with us for six weeks. Cause that's about every three months. And if you run about a, you know, 35 week season, like we do, I mean, you're going to be checking in with them at least a couple times before that season ends and you start the next one. So, and some people don't take advantage of it, but you know what I tell people, this is actually included in your tuition. Mm-hmm. Part of your tuition is you get a personal experience with our customer care team. And so them not taking advantage of it, I'll ask parents, well, that's part of what your tuition's paying for. Is there a reason why you don't want to take advantage of it? And it could not be, it could be the times don't work for them. And maybe we need to look at that. So sometimes it's not always bad, but 
I'm about documentation, documentation. So when that, if, if someone does come up and say, well, I've, I've been feeling this way for six months and da, 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 I'm going to go look back and see if we try to schedule a check-in with them and say, well, Melissa reached out three times to try to schedule. We didn't even hear anything back. Right. Right. So, and at that point, how do they, how do you, how are they going to respond? I mean, that was kind of on them to let us know we're, we're trying to reach out and solicit it. So what I realized with myself is you need to just have the door open and the opportunities open as much as you can, because at least then the customers can't say that you didn't try. Yeah. And as hard as it is to hear some things that customers do have to say, would you rather it fester or try to squash it right there? Like I know, like you said, it's losing sleep and stuff like that, but I had to just put my big girl pants on and say, you know what, if I don't know this, it's going to fester and I'm going to lose one, two, three clients because I just, because it me, I decided I couldn't deal with it. Right. Um, But I will tell you, if you do some of these other things, like your onboarding and stuff, you'll actually find that your customers will have less issues going on. And it may just be smaller kind of little things. Mm -hmm here and there because you were already creating that relationship with them from day one. And that's really how you have to look at it. You're trying to build a client relationship with them from the first day that they contact you. And I've had a lot of people who didn't sign up for class or sign up for a trial because it just wasn't the right time for them. But they actually said, we're so impressed with you reaching out and we thank you so much. And, and that still means something to me. Right. Um, if it's not the right time for them right now, that's okay. And we hope that they'll come back to us, you know, later if whenever it is. So, yeah. Um, well, but, yeah, but that's what I'm going to tell you. That is why my numbers for COVID again, I'm a small studio, but my numbers went up at least 50%. That's amazing. Because we started putting things in place. I mean, again, I have about 76 students right now. But again, got to remember, I'm just one style of dance. And my goal is to hit 100 to 150. Mm-hmm. Um, but my retention is pretty solid. Like I don't lose barely anybody because we put this in place and your systems and how you run things makes a difference. And that's why I had to take a step back from teaching. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had to focus more on this. And I had to hire people. Even if I told myself, there's no way I can afford it, find a way to afford it, hire somebody just part-time for a few hours, a couple days a week or something. Mm. Um, So from after hiring Melissa, I ended up hiring three customer care team members that could work the office. So I don't have to be there all the time. I don't need to micromanage. These people are adults. (laughs) So, and then I was able to work it out with my teacher staff and so things start to happen Mm -hmm. as you make things happen, basically. Well, I am so impressed with you. Um, That was like a huge treasure trove of information and um, inspire, very inspiring. I have like... I've been scrambling to write down notes (laughs) and a lot of the stuff we do, and I'm sure some of our listeners are doing some of these things, but we can always go back and fill in the cracks and um, add little things to our processes so that we can, um, you know, like you say, fine tune it and, you know, just make it work for our own studios. Let me give another tip to our studio owners. The other thing I I have in Asana is I have my own board that I keep things in. And one of the boards I have is called a do better board. And anytime something happens at the studio, then I'm like, yep, need to fix that for next year. Because how many of us out there, like you said, writing sticky notes and then like six months later, or you go to redo your handbook and you're like, what was happening with that tuition thing? So I have a do better board um, for my staff with and for the studio with different topics like classes or payments. And anytime something comes up. I go into it on my phone and I make a note for myself. And then when the next season starts and we're reviewing our policies and stuff, I have everything on that. Have a do better board for yourself because you are going to have to do better. You have to be willing to want to do better. And if, if you want to grow That's great. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it could be little things like, Oh, our makeup class policy. We need to look at that again. Cause this situation happened and I didn't plan for that. Um, or even like Robin, you helped me the other day with posting stuff up in the studio. Like I need to put that posted. So I added that to my do better board. We actually even have do better boards for every performance that we do. Even if it's a small community performance, my, um, program event manager and I do a debrief on what happened and and write notes. So that way for next year, when we do that performance, we know what not to do or what we need to add. So as an owner, that's been very helpful for me because I know when I start to plan stuff for next year, I can remember all the little 
snags and gaps or even good things that happen that we want to continue for the following season. So if you guys find a really good uh, software like Asana to use, I actually have my own personal board that I use for a to-do list. I have a brain dump board for brain dump ideas. Like when I listen to these podcasts and you guys give me ideas, I dump them in the brain dump board. Um, and things like that, the social media posts, you know, things like that. You need to have something that you can access on your phone um, if you're out. Because if you tell me this now, I'll probably forget five minutes from now. <laughs> so right. find something for yourself as an owner that's going to help you get a little bit organized if you're starting to feel that burn out and that o feeling overwhelmed. Because I was definitely, definitely feeling that. And being able to be a part of different communities like this did really help me because it's a very lonely world sometimes for us mm -hmm. as studio owners and we don't feel like anybody else understands. And it's nice to have groups. I, I luckily have a very supportive husband that I can go to because he's a teacher. So he can relate to me on a lot of different stuff. But, you know, you need to have that community out there. So it's great that, you know, you guys offer that as well, you know, with people sharing ideas. But I'm just going to tell you guys, if you're hesitant to step over that cliff, to take the next step, just do it. Mm -hmm. Just make yeah, it work definitely. and do it because you're, it might take you a little bit, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of this information. I'm, I'm so Absolutely. glad that we got to talk to you. Let's end with our heart happy moments. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. So my heart happy moment is that my family is healthy for the holidays. We had a COVID thing last year and we almost thought we weren't going to be able to spend Christmas together. So I'm actually glad that my whole family is healthy and to spend Christmas together. And I think my heart happy moment too, is we did a, we call it our crossroads Christmas angel campaign. Our performance groups get uh, $20 to do whatever they want for the community. And they came up with some really good ideas. We did a performance at a retirement home and they, one group did flowers and handed them out and another one's donating. So I'm really proud of them for coming up with that and giving back to the community that, that really made me smile because that's something I feel very strongly about to kind of end the year. Oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. So my heart happy moment was that we had our holiday celebration last weekend and we did it at our theater, the Pulo Center. And um, my kids were unmasked and my the theater was full. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were able to get back to the theater in June, but with limited seating. So there were only 135 tickets sold in a thousand seat theater. But this year, um, I, I just remember standing in the theater because I watched from the audience and just looking around and feeling like we're back. And the theater is full and the kids are dancing well and the kids are thriving and happy. And sometimes it's hard to step out of um, the storm and just kind yeah. of look at what, you know, how far we've come out of it, you know, it, because the, the progress has been so slow and arduous. But here we are, we have made, you know, all of us as studio owners, we've come a long way in terms of clawing our way out of this mess that was put upon us. In yeah, absolutely. But take a moment at the, as this year comes to an end and just, you know, be thankful for what we do have right now. You know, mm -hmm. maybe we are able to get back into our theaters. Maybe we are able to take the masks off the kids. Maybe our numbers are up. Maybe um, we shed off some people that weren't a good fit for our studios. And now we, as painful as it may be, now we have a, a better community of like-minded individuals, whatever your culture is. Um, so that was kind of my heart happy moment and I am ready to That's great. go into the holidays, just celebrating my family and the people that I love that work with me or don't work with me. Um, I'm looking forward to just enjoying people for the next two weeks. Just yeah, I bring them all on. Big Everybody <laughs> give yourself a break over the holiday break. Try not to do too much work. You know, I even tell my staff, I'm like, you're off for two weeks. Like, don't answer emails. <laughs> like, right. you're out of office. There's nothing that's going to happen that's, that's crucial that needs to take, be taken care of, you know, right this very second. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I definitely want to give myself a break for two weeks before we come back. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to another brand new year. And we all, yeah, we all should be very happy with everything that's gone on because whatever your successes are, it was a success regardless. Yeah. Yep. So it could be slightly awkward if this airs 
after the holidays, but people will still get the same sentiment. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> so, yeah, all right, Amy, the date that you did it. So, <laughs> right. Hey, it was so great to meet you. I feel like yeah. I've met, I, I, I love meeting people in the DSO Connect community. You know, it's one thing to, you know, pass posts back and forth in the community, but to actually sit down and have conversations with people on the podcast, um, it just takes my understanding and appreciation of you to a whole nother level. So well, I would love, I love doing this stuff. So if you guys, now that I met you and I can kind of think of topics, you know, I, I'd love to do more of these stuff. I mean, I'm not an expert on anything, but even my husband and I were joking. He was like, man, you got a story to tell. And I'm like, yeah, I sure do. Because I've, I've learned so much along the way that I just didn't think I was going to be at this point. I actually really, I was probably like most studio owners. I was ready just to throw my hand, throw my hands up during COVID. I was like, there's no way I can do this. Mm. And um, so i all these processes and stuff really saved my hiney. So I'm really glad that I did that. But yeah, if you ever want to talk about something specific or anything, I'm, um, I love doing these interviews. <laughs> I think we will definitely have you back again. Thanks so much. And to all of our listeners, um, thanks for listening and look in the community, um, for Amy's, um, spreadsheet. Template. Yes. I will work on that and send that out to you guys. Yep, we'll share it in the community. So if you are a listener, but not in our community, please be sure to join. It's DSO Connect Community on Facebook. And you just remember to answer a couple questions so we know you're a studio owner. So, all right, thank you, Amy. Have a wonderful Absolutely. holiday. And I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.